Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. I remember uh, when I was lead pastor years ago, um, I had a mustache my whole life from the age of like 16 until I, right before I moved here and I shaved it off. And I was doing a baby dedication. I'm holding the baby here and I'm praying and all of a sudden I start crying. And everyone just thought it was, you know, a spiritually moving experience. But my wife was peeking and, uh, and this baby had a hold of my mustache hairs and was pooling, just pooling so hard that honestly it made me cry. And you're the only people that know that. I played it, you know, like it was real spiritual, but, you know, the strangest things happen during baby dedications. So we're just glad that we can have that opportunity to honor your family. Tonight I'm going to talk about toxic words. Uh, What an interesting week uh, that we've had uh, surrounding words. Um, We've had uh, the headlines of the news every day this week really have had to do with, with words, some violence, but mostly words. And um, we now have 24-hour newscasts that uh, just go on and on and on. How many of you know there's a lot of words out there? And words make a difference. How many of you would agree words make a difference? Yeah. They absolutely do. Um, you know, uh, my son and I were on a trip out to Arizona, and, you know, I said... Uh, uh, we were talking about, you know, me turning 60, and I said, you know, at this age, really not much chance I'm going to get in big trouble. And he goes, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, you're, you're pretty old. That wasn't very nice, but it's true. And uh, I said, you know, you'll probably never hear that I got, you know, stone drunk and got caught driving a car. It's just not going to happen. It's just not appealing to me at all. I said, I'm really pretty sure you're not going to catch me like high on drugs or OD'd. You know, you're probably pretty good there. I said, but if I ever do get in trouble, I know exactly where it's going to come from. And he said, where? I said, my words. It'll be my words. My words will be my downfall. How many of you here understand that? Most likely, you're not going to get in a bar fight. You're probably not going to get high. Probably not going to get drunk. You're probably going to have, if you have a problem, it's probably going to stem from words, and it's just the nature of how God created us. As a matter of fact, words are so powerful that God used them to bring the world into existence. Isn't that incredible? Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now in the third verse we read this. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Kind of reminds me of my uh, oldest daughter when she was around five. She said, uh, Dad, can we you know, go to the store around the corner? I said, no, nah, baby, I just don't have money in the budget for that. You know, I just, because I always told them about the budget, and we sometimes went on an uh, 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 austerity budget. How many of you know what an austerity budget is? You know, just things that, you only, you only spend money on essentials for living, you know, food, shelter. So I used to tell her we were on an austerity budget. And uh, so I said, sweetheart, we're on an austerity budget. We're not doing anything special. We're getting ready to go on vacation. And she said, uh, Dad, you don't need money. I said, you don't. She goes, no. 
She said, I'm telling you. I said, really? You got money? She goes, no. She said, we can walk down to the bank, and they have this machine there. You stick a card in it, you press some buttons, and it'll spit out money. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And I tried to explain to her, you got to have money in there. She goes, no, man, I'm telling you, Dad. Mom's done it. She never puts money in it. She gets money all the time. Don't you wish it was that easy, right? Don't you wish it was that easy? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault, which we know is land, and it was so. In the ninth verse, it said, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. Verse 11, it says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees, and it was so. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and it was so. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, and... It was so. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock. Verse 24, creatures that move along the ground. And it was so. Again, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness. So they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals. And it was so. Then God said to them, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and it was so. In verse 29, it says, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of this earth. You plant it, and I will give you food to sustain you forever. And it was so. Now, how many of you here are pretty impressed by the mere mention of God's words? His words are powerful. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was God. Words are powerful. We know that. Tonight I want to talk to you about words. That's it. Just words. As a matter of fact, I did a word count on my notes. I will be speaking 3,923 words to you if I just read this. Let me tell you a story about a man that wanted to become a monk. So he went down to the local monastery. He went to the the head monk, and he said, you know, I want to, I want to be a monk. And uh, the head monk said, well, you've got to go three years without saying anything. At the end of three years, you get to say two words. Go another three years, and then you say another two words, and then you go another three years, and you say another two words. And if you can get through all that, then you can be a monk. The guy said, well, great, I'll do it. So he's there, good three years passes by, he goes in, he sees the main monk, and the chief monk says to him, uh, what are your two words? Food, bad. He's okay. So no, three years. So he's six years in. He comes in, sees the monk. He says, uh, "What's your two words?" He goes, "Robe, dirty." He said, "Okay." So he goes his other three years. Finally, he comes the end of the nine years. He comes into the to the lead monk, and he monk says, uh, "What's your two words?" He goes, "I quit." He goes, well, I'm not shocked. All you've done is complain since you got here. Um, It's the only good joke I can find about words, okay? So just hang with me. The average person speaks 18,000 words a day. Now, some of you are married to an exceptional talker who can speak up to 30. Do I have a witness? 
Be careful, be real careful. Just be careful. We spend one-fifth of our lives talking, another fifth sleeping. On any given Sunday or weekend, 55 million American church attendees will listen to 400,000 pastors' sermons who will speak over this weekend one billion words. Church is pretty much words. Would you agree? Yeah, if you don't participate, I go really long. Would you agree? (laughs) Man, I got him right up here, I know. All right. Matthew 12, 36, 37, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. When we were kids, we used to be on the playground. Probably all did this at one point. You know, you, somebody said something, you know, you said, you know, you're, I'm rubber, you're glue. Everything bounces off me and sticks to you. How many of you have ever said that? Yeah. Um, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Did you ever say that? And it, it might settle like a first-grade argument, but long about third grade, you start going, yeah, sticks and stones may break my bones. You say that again, I'll break your bones. <laughs> Do I have a witness at the summit? Okay? And it's seventh grade. You might as well forget that statement, man. That's out the window. We're going, when I was growing up, we just said, I'll meet you at the smoking lounge. How many of you here? We had a big pit, the smoking pit. You know, that's where everybody fought. Um, I guess you didn't have that in Indiana. Oh, yes, you did. You know you did. Words do hurt. They may not break your bones, but they can easily break your spirit. They can crush your heart. And they have the capacity to start a nuclear war. Everybody here? I just heard a person on the news say the other day. If they, you know, see what they say. If they, they say the right thing, you know, we might send them, you know, shoot a missile. If they say, we live in a world where words, like every other time that people have lived, words, words are, are very important. Words do hurt. They break your bones. So in the book of James, I grabbed the main text in the New Testament that talks about words. James is, in my opinion, it's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like the mechanic of the New Testament. You know what I mean? Like the way he writes is like a guy with uh, like uh, biblical greasy fingers. You know, you ever meet a mechanic and you shake their hand and you look at it and they, got, they really don't have much of a manicure? You know, kind of got black fingernails and then they got... You know, you could get their fingerprints just by shaking their hand. They don't even have to be, you know, fingerprinted. Um, they just know how to fix. Then you pull up and you put, open your hood and you say, hey, you know, I got, and they look right at it. You go, yeah, you know, you got to, you can see it right now, you're leaking out of your master cylinder. I don't even know if that's true, but I, I hope that, do I have a mechanic here? Can that happen? Yeah, they're a mechanic. There aren't any. Good, I can say whatever I want. Um, <clears throat> James is like a, a Bible mechanic. You know, he had, he had a tool for it. He had a way of saying it that if he said it and you listen to it, you go, man, that'll work. And so in the third chapter of James, he, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, 
They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James says if we control our tongue, we're mature. That means fully grown. How many of you know there are people that grow up, uh, that, that grow old but never grow up? Never met them, you know, and they'll say something they shouldn't say. And if you say anything, they'll say, hey, that's just the way I am. You just have to get used to it. You ever had somebody say to you when you're going to a family reunion or dinner or something, hey, uh, Uncle Steve's going to be there. He'll say something, I'm telling you. Or, you know, and look, don't pay any attention to him. Nobody does because he's stupid. Right? So, you know, just. And then they'll finish it with, listen, you know, we've tried to fix him. It's just the way he is. James says he can't use that as an excuse. How many of you think that's fair? You know, that's the way God made me. Now, because you know, if you stayed the way God made you, how do you know we'd all be in prison? We have a fallen nature. I had to fight against being how God made me. I still have to fight it. How many of you are still fighting it? Hold on. How many of you are still fighting it? If you don't all raise your hand, I'm going to open this altar right now. We're going to come up here. I don't have time to tell you what I want to tell you. But anyway, words are simple enough, but sometimes we have trouble putting them together to say what we want to say. Tonight, I want you to remember something. If you can change your words, you can change your life. And not only if you change your words, can you change your life, but you can change the twin's life. It's true. Or Keegan's life. Right? We've all been affected by words. So I want to share three essentials for wise communication. Number one, wise words come from people who understand the power of their words. We have to understand the power of our words. James 3, 1 and 2, I read it to you early, earlier. It says, not many of you should endeavor to be a teacher because when you become a teacher, you're going to be judged more strictly. How many of you fit the mold of a teacher? Raise your hand. Some of you are going, oh, yeah, I, I teach second grade. No, 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 no. That's not what he was talking about because they didn't have elementary schools in the New Testament. And they didn't have state certification. Let me tell you what he was talking about. The first thing we find when James pulls this rock away, the creepy crawlers of the tongue, is that he says, listen, anyone who is an authority, their words are influential. 
If you're in any level of authority, your words are influential. You wield incredible power. You may not think you speak with authority, but let me ask you a question. Let me ask you if you fit into any one of the following categories. Are you ready? Hold on, I, I asked you a question. How many, are you ready? All right, stay with me. All right, raise your hand if you are a parent. Keep it up. Raise your hand if you're a spouse. Keep it up. Raise your hand if you're a teacher, a coach, a mentor, a friend, a relative. Put it up. A counselor, a professor, a public servant. Put it up. All right, you can put it down. Some of you didn't raise your hand, which really scares me, because you may be an alien. Because <laughs> I sat at my desk and said, everybody is one of these. Okay? You are all in a position, from the balcony to the floor, in a position of influence. Will we all agree? Yeah. You are. Yeah. So your words matter. And there's power in your words. Three things should be noted for the person who speaks with authority. Number one, if you speak with authority, you are entering into an agreement of divine judgment. I remember when uh, Sue and I were having our first child, Brandon, he's 37 now, <clears throat> and we had this conversation, you know, I really want to have a baby, and Sue said, yeah, I do too, I really want to have a baby, and so we, you know, she got pregnant, and then we started thinking about the fact that we're not just having a baby, we're bringing another human being into this world. How many of you are here? You know, it's, it's you're not just having a baby, you just, you just have... You had two, okay? God bless you, okay? Stay with me for a second. You're bringing a person into this world. It's an incredible responsibility. I remember when Brandon was born and the doctor handed it to me and I'm holding him. This is me, you know. I'm, I wrestled from the time I was like 10 years old and I'm 22 at the time and I'm holding this baby. <laughs> this is what's going through my brain. Don't drop him, don't drop him, don't drop him. Lock it up, lock it up, figure out a good lock, and lock it up, hold that baby. And the whole time going, I, I'm afraid I'm going to drop this baby. How many of you know that's the voice of a wimp? Yeah. And as time went on, I went, man, every word I say, and I don't know how to discipline, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say. How many of you have ever been there with parenting? Yeah. All right, you know, I know I need to speak into your life right now, but press pause and come back when you're 11. I remember my son, he was, ah, man, he's probably four. He's riding a big wheel. I was washing the car, and he drove up next to me, and he whipped the big wheel around. How do you think big wheels are the best? They should have them for adults. Don't you agree? And zoom, you know, he spins around, he stops, he looks up at me. I'm washing the car. He goes, hey, Dad. I said, yeah. He goes, how'd I get started? And I went, what? He said, how'd I get started? I said, holy cow, dear God, this isn't fair. I'm washing my car. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> See what I said? You got started when you were little. And he looked at me. He goes, okay, thanks. He drove away. <laughs> now that's good stuff, isn't it? That's just divine wisdom. That's like a lightning bolt from heaven. said, Steve, I'll get you out of it. About eight years later, he came to me and said, hey, Dad, how'd I get started? And I went, uh-uh, you can't tell him to drive away on the big wheel now. Now you got to be smart. Are you following me? Your words have power. 
And you're, you made an agreement for divine judgment. Not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Oh, every word I say, God's going to judge me. No, not like that. But you entered into an agreement to say, I'm going to do the best I can to speak into this life so they are blessed of God for the rest of their life. Are you following me? It's not something to be afraid of. It's just it's a responsibility we chose to take on to ourselves. It's a good thing. How many of you would agree? It's not an easy thing. But have you know, if everything was easy, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Life's not like that. Second thing that every teacher should remember is that we are all sinners. We're not going to get our words right all the time. I'm sorry, you just can't. I, pr- I wish I got my words right all the time. We're all sinners. And, and, and James says we all stumble in many ways. Stumble means to sin. Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This word sin is in what we call the present tense, and it means this, that we all sin many times and in many different ways every day. All right, I'm not taking inventory, and I'm not God, but I guarantee if I said, have you sinned today, you'd have to raise your hand. We all have. We all sin in many different ways. And, and what James was saying is, listen, you can't say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get it right, so why even try? You can't. It's just not, that's not mature. That's, that's an easy way out. I quit, or you know, I'm, I'm going to give up on my words. No, because sometimes no words are more toxic than the words. Does that make sense? So being a teacher should keep us real humble. How you know being a parent is a very humbling experience? The third and final warning for those who teach, for those that understand that words are powerful is, uh, uh, the, the third point is, we are called to spiritual maturity. There is a time and, and, and place in life where your words are going to uh, have consequences for the first time. Y'all with me? Now, I don't know if you remember when your first consequential words happened, but I remember mine. And for some of you, it's going to go right over your head because you have no idea what I'm talking about. When I was a kid, there was a TV show called Happy Days. Do I have a witness at Summit? All right? You've heard of Richie Cunningham, and you've heard of the Fonz. Actually, my goal in life was to be the Fonz. Are you here? You know, it's fixed. You be the Fonz. Well, the Fonz used a, 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 a term for women that I thought was pretty cool. He, he called him his old lady. Y'all here? Ah, I had to go see my old lady. You know, and I thought, man, that's cool. You know, call, call, call a, you know, women, old lady. So I tried it out. <laughs> well, my mother. <laughs> and yes, I did. I was 12. One thing I tell you I learned, Fonz is a moron. <laughs> Straight up, man. We're in the living room. I said, hey, I, I don't even know exactly what I was talking about. I said, well, you can do that, old lady. 
She looked at me. She said, what? I said, you can do that, old lady. She said, you call me old lady? I said, yeah, Fonz, Fonz does it. She goes, yeah, well, Fonz doesn't live here. <laughs> and this is what my mother said. She said, I had five babies before I had you. I'm, I'm, I'm just 12, and I thought I was just being cool. How many of you here? I was just being cool. I wasn't being arrogant, wasn't being smart aleck, just being cool. Because how many of you know I'm cool? Some of you are going, you're not cool. You're not cool at all. But I just wanted to be cool. And she went into this tirade, and I'm like, what are you mad about? The font said, old lady, I mean, if the font says it, you know, it's like right up there with James. And she says, I had five babies before I had you, and when I had you, you, were the, you gave me more pain during childbirth, and I'm going, holy cow. She's going off. This lady's going crazy. And then you were born, and I was hurting, and, you know, your father, you, you, I said to your father, you, when I, after that, I'm not having any more kids. And I'm like, holy cow, do you really hate me, or what's going on? She goes, and then, and then I'm so mad at you right now, when your dad gets home, I'm going to tell him. And, I, you know, I, was, I just figured you'd just go out and run in traffic at that point. I mean, you know, probably you had better odds of surviving. Um, <clears throat> So the first time that I realized that I was too old to be calling my mom old lady, I realized when, uh, at that point, my words had consequences. How many of you know your words have consequences, right? Um, we laughed about it later on in life, but I, I never called my mom old lady again, ever. I don't think I've ever said old lady again until tonight. Um, James said, if you control, the, control your tongue, it's evidence that you've grown up. James said we can control our tongues. We're perfect, not sinless, but we're complete. We're mature. Now listen, it's so natural to gossip and criticize and slander that the person that can control their tongue can easily rule the rest of their body. How many of you know it is easy to get involved in conversations that we should be, uh, that we're too big for? I'm bigger than that. Not arrogantly, I'm better than that, but I'm better than that. And at 12, I learned, I'm not saying that kind of stuff anymore. So the first thing we learn is, wise words come from people who understand the power of their words. Secondly, wise words come from those who are willing to work to control their words. Now, here's the, here's the rub. Toxic words come from mouths that are not willing to be disciplined. How many of you are here and not think about their words? Let me ask you a question. How many of you got a little quarter-inch nut when you walked in tonight? Did everybody get one? How many of you got one? How many of you didn't get one? Raise your hand. All right, there's only a couple of you. We'll get you. In. Just, just go ahead while I'm talking, and they, they, they don't need to pay attention. I'm not going to say anything important anyway. Um, make sure you get one of these, okay? And we'll talk about it in a minute. It takes work to control your words. You've got to think before you talk. Have you ever said to yourself... Think, 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 wait, 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 don't say that, don't say that, that wouldn't, no, and then have you ever thought, you know, maybe now's not the time, let me tell you a real important principle when it comes to words, and most of us are deathly afraid of what I'm about to say, we hate silence, we aren't comfortable with silence. You ever been riding down the road and get the radio on and all of a sudden it just goes dead? Dead airtime? 
It's like one second, two seconds. You're like, what's going on? What's going on? Where's the radio? What happened? And then it comes back on, and you go, holy cow, man. That's bad. Or you're in a conversation, and, and all of a sudden, you just don't have anything else to say, but you say something just because you can't have silence. It's uncomfortable. Most of us are uncomfortable with silence. Would you agree? That's why we end most of our sentences with the word and and um. Are you here? Yeah, we went to the, we went to the fair, we got sausage, and all we got was sausage. And the sausage was really good, and then I saw Mary, and um, Mary told me about Joe and and Gwen, you know, now see, if you just stop with, I went to the fair and got sausage, are you here? Because I know in two weeks you're going to the fair and getting sausage, are you with me? <laughs> Listen, wise words take work. James said there's, a, there's the bit in the horse's mouth, there's a rudder on a ship, and there's a spark that starts a fire. Let's talk about them. Real quick, wise words take work. Words are simple enough, but sometimes we have trouble putting them together to say what we mean. For example, insurance companies like to collect unique statements from the claims of people asked to describe their accidents in the fewest words possible. And you've probably seen these forms. Here are a few of my insurance claim favorites. I pulled from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed straight for the embankment. The pedestrian had no idea which way to run, so I ran over him. <laughs> the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. The telephone pole was approaching fast. I was attempting to swerve out of its path when it struck me in my front end. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree that I do not have. It's hard to have the right words. Secondly, words are a big deal. James chooses three word pictures to illustrate this point regarding the direction that the tongue can give. So if you want to really change your life, and you've got to change your words, listen to these three things real quickly. Number one, the bit. <clears throat> I've chosen tonight to illustrate the bit with just saying the bit stands for good words. Good words. And I want to share something personal with you. As I was... Uh, raising my kids, and I've been married 40 years just this last June, and um, when I was young and, 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 and just got married and we had children a little while, a couple years later, I was praying about being a good husband, being a good dad, and I really didn't know how to do that. I didn't have the kind of example that some people had, and uh, so I didn't really know how to do that, but God laid something on my heart. I'll share it with you. It's personal. You don't have to do it, but, but I did, and I'm just telling you it was very, very helpful. Uh, God spoke to my heart and said, never comment on your children's physical appearance in a negative way. Don't, don't talk about their weight. Don't talk about their hair. Don't talk about their, their skin. Don't, you know, just don't be critical of their physical attributes or your wife's. Just don't ever do that. Don't put it in your vocabulary. Just don't ever talk about it. And uh, <clears throat> I remember one time my son came home from college. He got off the plane and, and he walked right by me. I looked right at him, and I didn't even know it was my son <clears throat> because all the guys on the uh, wrestling team in college had dyed their hair banana yellow. I mean, dude, it was, it was yellow like a taxi cab. 
And he walked right by me. I mean, just walked right by me. And I said to my wife, where's Brandon? She goes, he just walked by. I said, no, he didn't. She goes, he's right there. I went, holy cow, that's his head? <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I wanted to, and then, and then this thought came back to me, because my whole life I lived that way. And I went, don't say anything. I mean, you got to say something. Your head looks like a banana. <laughs> I didn't. He walks up to me and goes, hey, Dad. He hugs me and... And I hugged him back. He goes, what do you think of my hair? I said, it's your hair. <laughs> and then I looked at him and I said, let me tell you something. He said, what? I said, someday, you'll, I was like 42 at the time, someday you'll be as old as me and you'll comb your hair just like I do. And it'll be the color of mine. He's 37, combs his hair just like I do. It's the same color as mine. I was right. Say good words. Uh, I lived in the Black Hills of South Dakota for five years. I, I had never been to a rodeo before in my life. I got to go to rodeo. Have you been to rodeo? I love rodeo, baby. Rodeo is so cool. I saw things like the wild, uh, the, the, the wild poker game. You ever seen the wild poker game? Four guys sit around a table. You've seen it. You know what I'm talking about? They sit around a table with cards on it, and they turn a, a, a bull loose in the arena, and the last man with the hands on the table wins 500 bucks. Huh? I wouldn't care if it's 5 million. I ain't playing that game. <laughs> they had another one called the wild horse game. Five guys, a saddle and a bridle. They turn a, a buck and bronc loose into an arena. There's six teams. There's 30 men in there, five different colors. or uh, Six different colors, five men on a team. One's got a saddle, one's got a bridle. They cut these horses loose. They have to grab a horse, pin it, put the bridle on it, throw the saddle on it, ride across the line, and whoever gets across the line first, your team wins $500. That's 100 bucks. I ain't playing that game. But every time I went to the, one of my favorite things when I got to the, to the uh, rodeo was um, the barrel race. And it was women. They were teeny. And they didn't start the race inside the arena. They started it outside and this was an indoor rodeo, and they, all of a sudden, they, you know, say the name, you know, I was in uh, Scandinavian, so they had all those Sven and Oli type names, you know. Um, Sven Melgilagidiskuski. Come riding in, and boom, I mean, flying right by you. Come in, hit the barrels, cut, 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 turn around, take off, go back out, they time it. It was incredible. And all they did is they held the horn with one hand, they held the bridle with the other, and they snapped it one way, snapped it another way. How do you know what I'm talking about? And this big old horse with this little teeny girl on it just, man, zipped right through those barrels and out it went. Listen, James knew what he was talking about. You can, you can do that with a horse. I can't. Ain't going to happen. But they could. And James said, sometimes with our words, see, the bridle is not on the teeth. It's on a, a gap they have in their teeth. It's right on their gums. And how do you know if... Somebody puts too much pressure on your gums. That's a hurtful thing. And it goes right on the gums. And, when they, and here's what he's illustrating. He's saying, listen, sometimes with our words, it's going to hurt us to not say harmful words. We've got to actually put ourselves through a little emotional grief to just say, don't say that. Uh, 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 don't say that. Second thing, if you look at the screen, he talks about the rudder. And I had a really neat experience in, South, in uh, San Diego, California, when I was living there. Um, I got to be at the christening of this ship, 
which is 840 feet long. It's called the Isla Bella. And it carries a cargo of 3,100 trailer containers. That's the dedication night. And a friend of mine is the engineer that does all the work to launch this ship. And I got there early, and he said, Steve, come on, I'll take you inside. So I got to go inside, and you can see where the, the main fuel line, uh, the body of the ship underneath is. That's all for fuel. It's liquid, it's liquid uh, propane. And he said, come on, I'll show you. So I got to go underneath of there and walk all underneath, and he took me to the next picture, and it's the rudder and uh, the propeller. To the left is the rudder. The rudder is 25 feet long. It's 25 feet high, 15 feet long. It's 3% of the ship. The ship is incredibly huge, guys. I mean, you saw it. And that's, that's what steers it, that, that piece in the back. James says our tongues are like ships. And sometimes we have to, we are the captain of our ship. We're the master of our mouth. And how many of you have been around some people who didn't master their mouth very well? And they hurt you. And their words destroyed you. Don't you wish they'd have just thought for a minute and put the bit in their mouth and said, don't say that, don't say that? I wanted so bad to say to my son, why do you dye your hair yellow? Man, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And I told him, you know, like five years later, but not then. And finally, he says, how about the spark? Look at this picture. I also lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, outside the Black Hills where Mount Rushmore is. That's a wildfire that's right outside our house. It was within smelling distance and heat distance. Now, here we may not have those kind of wildfires, but that was a big one. It was huge. And I never really worried about wildfires until I lived in South Dakota and in 2000, our house was in a few miles of a wildfire. was burning out of control in the Black Hills for several days. Woke up every morning to acrid smoke, and we had soot on our cars. It was everywhere. They finally extinguished the fire, and, and, and everything, uh, life was saved. There's no life or cattle that were lost. But let me show you the next picture, which is very interesting. This picture is a picture of the lady that set the fire. This fire was set by Janice Stevenson. She started the Jasper Fire along Highway 16, west of Custer, South Dakota, on August 4, 24, 2000, she lit a cigarette and dropped the match on dry grass and pine needles. The resulting blaze blackened 130 square miles of the Black Hills National Forest. It cost $9 million to fight the fire and racked up $42 million in damages. James says we have got to be the Smokey the Bear of our tongue fires. Only you can prevent word fires. How many of you are here? You don't want to cause that kind of damage. The bit, the rudder, the spark, they almost overcome contrary forces. But listen, it's hard. How many of you would agree? I know words matter. I know words are powerful. I know it takes work to say the right words. Let me say this to you. How many of you would agree? Easier said than done. I want to close. Healthy words come from the fruit of our heart. I want you to take that, that uh, nut out. Just hold it in your hand for a minute, okay? <clears throat> when I was 19, I was working in uh, steel, 
in the steel um, uh, fabrication and steel uh, construction, making shipping containers for nuclear fuel. And when Jimmy Carter became president in 1976, um, all nuclear fuel shipped over ground was discontinued. So the company I was working for, uh, honestly, within three days, they laid everybody off and just kept management to shut the company down because that's all we made was shipping containers for spent nuclear fuel. So I didn't have a job. <clears throat> I lived around Philadelphia, so I, we didn't have the internet then, so you'd get like the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Wilmington paper where I grew up and kind of go through. And I was in what's called quality control, so I put an application with a comp uh, in with a company up in Philadelphia. It was a, uh, it was a uh, company that made uh, screws, uh, mass-produced screws, bolts, nuts, everything you see at Lowe's in the hardware aisle. Does that make sense? How many of you ever been, ladies, how many of you ever been to Lowe's hardware aisle? Can I get a huh? All right, good, yeah, see, we got them here. All right, all that stuff comes out of a machine. Back then, they were extruders. It's different now, but back then, it was old school. And Take a long piece of steel, you stick it through this machine, and it would, it would whip out nuts. Like, that's a quarter 20 you got, and you're holding on to it. It's just a little teeling. It it whip out, like, you know, five every, every second. I mean, it's just shooting out of there like crazy. Once they came out, they were black, um, and they were... Uh, kind of hot, and, uh, and they were full of burrs. Now, if you take that nut and you just kind of feel it, you'll feel it's pretty smooth. And there's a reason for that. Like I say, nowadays it's different. Back then what they would do is they would take all the bolts and nuts and screws and they'd pour them into a big, um, it almost looked like uh, what we make concrete with at a site. Have you seen the barrels that just turn concrete? Not the trucks, just the little barrels on the site. And they'd fill it with oil and they'd put these thousands of these nuts in there and they'd just roll them and roll them and roll them. And after a period of time, then all the, the, the nuts banging against each other, all the burrs started to come off, and they, they would rest in the oil, and it didn't scratch the nuts all up. It just took the rough spots off. And uh, you got all done, and then you took them out of there. You had to clean them. And I'm not going to ask you to do this here, but if you smell that, it smells like oil. And the reason it smells like oil is because it's been in oil. It's to take the hard surfaces off so it's smooth. Now, I want to leave you with a challenge. Our words are just like that, that nut you're holding in your hand. We just, don't, we just don't roll them around in our brain sometime and work the rough spots off. Let me illustrate. Guy comes in from the garage. He says to his wife, honey, what do you think? If I go out and buy a really nice pair of a, a, a set of black gunmetal rims for my truck, and she says, are you kidding me? It's the ugliest truck I've ever seen. It's a rust bucket. There's not a set of rims on the planet that would make that truck look any better. What a waste on your crummy truck. How I many you know that's toxic? Do I have a witness, guys? Yeah, no, no truck is ugly. <laughs> Do I have a witness, fellas? If it's not running, it ain't ugly, okay? You cannot even have a motor, it's not ugly. Now, if she thought, she could have said this. You know what, honey? Whenever I see your truck coming up the driveway or passing me in town, the first thing I look for is your cute face driving it. And I don't care what your truck looks like as long as it's your hunk of flesh that's driving it. You don't need rims, baby. That's not toxic.
How many of you here? Are you here? Huh? Now think about it. That's the difference between a nut that's been put in the oil and rolled around and one that was never, ever worried about. All right, let's change it. She comes down the stairs. She looks at her husband. And she says, honey, does this dress make me look old? I know what you were thinking. Caught you. Does this dress make me look old? Now, if he's not thinking and he didn't deburr the, the nut, he might say something like this, honey, I don't think it's the dress. How many of you are here? That's toxic. Would you agree that's toxic? Okay. Now, what if he, what if he rolled that nut around a little bit, got the burrs off, and he said, you know what, honey? You'll never look old to me. For the rest of your life, there's not, a, there's not a piece of clothing you could wear that would make you, you still look like the young bride coming down the aisle that I married and I was so deeply in love with. I still love you like that day. How many of you think that's not toxic? That's going to work for you. You're going to be forgiven for two years in advance. <laughs> now we're going to close. Words matter. They have power. Takes work to say the right ones. Are you with me? And what's in your heart is going to come out if you don't work for it. Does that make sense? Let's pray. I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. Who's in this room tonight and say, you know what, Pastor Steve, I'm kind of new here or I've been around church, but man, I just, my words have gotten me in trouble. And I'm telling you, the best word you could ever say is, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me my sins. Help me to live a life for you, and I guarantee you, your words will change miraculously. Who here tonight would lift their hands and say, hey, Pastor Steve, I, I really want to give my life to Christ. That's the best words you could ever speak. Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to raise your hand if you would. Over here, thank you. God bless you. There's three of you over here. Thank you. Somebody else, just lift up your hand. You can put it down. The balcony, anybody? Would everybody pray this prayer with me? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I mean these words. Forgive my sins. I give you my life. Please help me to learn, to follow you, to let you be the guide in my life, and I'll do my best from this day forward to be a person with good and gracious words. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand with me if you would. Let me just, 30 seconds, just talk to you. How many of you here? I, I, uh, I took my nut and put it on my key ring. You can do that too. That way you can, every time you go to start the car, yeah, watch your words. Let them roll around a little bit. Now, my kids know this illustration, and every once in a while I'll say to them, eh, I think you maybe should have let that one roll around a little longer. What do you think? It's just kind of a family thing. Just put it on your key ring. First thing I want you to know that it represents is God will heal you from toxic words. I understand that, gang. We don't have time tonight to get into that. 
but God will heal you from toxic words. We've all had toxic words spoken about us. To our face, behind our back. We've been hurt by words. God will forgive it. He'll heal you. Secondly, be mature. Every time you see that on your key ring, go, be mature. Say something good. Say something gracious. Don't start a fire. Don't throw a match. Does that make sense? I'll pray for you. God, pray you bless everybody here. Help us with our words. Help us not to be toxic. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what's going to happen now is the worship team is going to lead us. Our prayer team is going to be here on the side. If you want prayer, if you lifted your hand and you want to uh, be a follower of Christ, you can fill a card out that's in front of you. Just fill it out and, uh, uh, on the salvation side, or you can come over and pray with someone that will walk you through everything you need to do to continue this walk of faith. But also, uh, we're going to sing and worship and praise. If you need prayer, maybe you've been hurt by words, or maybe you've said words that hurt, and you want to pray with somebody, our prayer team's going to be off this side. Find your way to them and just pray with them. And then uh, after we sing and worship, Pastor Mel's going to come and close us. God bless you.